Our first lesson reminds us that God is love. All things begin in love, flow from love, are perfected by love, and return to love. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us he has, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One timeless question that many people have pondered is, what is God's will? In the 8th century BCE, the prophet Micah asked a similar question, and the response given remains at the heart of a right relationship with God. Listen to the word of, God, word of the Lord as is read from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. The Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak the king of Moab plotted and what Balaam the son of Bor answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer, through Christ, amen.
Well, good morning, folks. Um, it's an honor to be here uh, this morning. Thank you to Pastor Chris for allowing me to, uh, to preach this morning. And um, I hope that she's looking in. No pressure, no pressure, right? The boss is watching me. A friend of mine, a person that I uh, volunteer with at the West Valley Food Pantry, recently told me about a podcast. It's called Finding Fred. It's about the life and work of Fred Rogers. It's a 10-part podcast and delves into the history of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and the effect that the program had on millions of kids. Each episode reflects on a certain aspect of Fred Rogers and inter interviews people who have been impacted by Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Some of the people that were interviewed uh, worked for Fred Rogers. Others were, uh, were viewers of the program, and they wrote uh, heartfelt letters to, uh, to Mr. Rogers. And Fred Rogers uh, would respond to these letters, and sometimes he responded in person. So listening to the podcast really had an effect on me and is the basis for my message this morning. So if, you, if you've never heard of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which I'm sure you all have, it was a children's show that Fred Rogers uh, produced and hosted, and it ran on PBS from 1968 to 2001. His show focused on the physical and emotional well-being of children. The show addressed issues such as death, sibling rivalries, racism, and divorce. Fred Rogers always emphasized that we all have special gifts and that our lives have meaning. He would tell the children, I like you as you are. It is in the theme of Fred Rogers that I would like to explore our readings this morning in 1 John and, and Micah. But I'm going, to, I'm going to emphasize on Micah chapter 6, verse 8 and see how Fred Rogers defined the meaning of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. In our first reading in, in 1 John, the beloved disciple proclaims that God is love, and everyone that loves God knows God, because God is love. If someone does not love, then they don't know God. And if God loves us so much, then we must love one another. We must love one another, even though some of us are not very lovable. And we all know people in our family, our friends, our neighbors that are just not real likable people. And, but no matter how people treat us, we still must love them because God loves them. I volunteer at the West Valley Food Pantry uh, three or four days a week. It's out in Woodland Hills. And people come through. It's a drive-through food pantry, and we, we give people food, uh, a lot of fresh food. And most of the people, 99% of them are very grateful, but that was that 1%, that they expect something. You know, they, they, they ask, do you have any eggs? Do you have milk? Do you have certain meat? I had one person, one gentleman who was disappointed because he didn't have any ice cream. And I was thinking to myself, I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking to myself, oh, Ralph's size ice cream. 
but of course, I have this little filter in my brain that God has given me to keep me from saying those things. So Mr. Rogers showed love to others, even though I'm sure he was disappointed by their thoughts and actions. Our second reading this morning in the book of Micah has the appearance of a covenant lawsuit, with the Lord being the accuser and the Israelites being the defendants. And God calls the mountains, the hills, and the foundations of the earth as witnesses to the prosecution. God's accusation is they are selfish people. They have forgotten God's generosity. God reminds them that God brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and gave them a new homeland. God speaks in pleading tones as a parent to a child who ignores the parent's love. If God were to speak to us in this manner, what would our answer be? If God told me all the things that God has done for me, and then asked me why I continued to disobey God's commandments, how would I answer? I would have no answer. Instead, I would ask forgiveness for all my transgressions. But the Israelites thought they had the answer. But it was the wrong answer. They thought about all the things that they could do to win God's favor. Shall we come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Shall we come before God with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall we give our firstborn for our transgressions? Is that what the Lord wants? More sacrifices. So what exactly does God want? What does the Lord require from us? The Lord requires us to do justice and to love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God is more probable than offering 10,000 rivers of oil. But it's still not easy. If it were, the world would be in a whole different place. Instead, we are more apt to act like the Apostle Paul, who states in Romans 7.15, for, for, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. To do the things that God requires of us takes discipline and thought and sound character. Mr. Rogers seemed to have this figured out, much more than the rest of us. His life, his writings, his teachings all showed us what our lives would look like if we remembered these three things that God expects of us. So what can Fred Rogers teach us about justice, mercy, and humility? What does doing justice look like? It could be simply treating others with respect and dignity, no matter who they are, where they come from, what they look like. For Jesus, doing justice was to push back against the hypocrisies of the Pharisees and to show compassion to the marginalized and the outsiders in that society. For Fred Rogers, it's to show compassion to a close friend. In an episode from 1969, a character on the show, Officer Clements, came by the neighborhood to see his friend, Mr. Rogers. And he sees Mr. Rogers in his backyard with his feet in a wading pool, cooling, cooling off on a very hot day. And Mr. Rogers is sitting there with his shoes and socks off, his pants legs rolled up, and he's, he's taking a garden hose and sprinkling water on his feet. And so Officer Clemens comes by, and he, he looks at that, and he says, that looks pretty nice. And so Mr. Rogers invited him to join him. 
Officer Clements said, well, I, I don't have a towel to dry my feet off with. And Mr. Rogers said, that's, that's not a problem. You can, you can share my towel. So Officer Clements takes off his boots and his socks and rolls up his pants, pant legs and dips his feet in the pool with the water. And there, there they are, Mr. Cl uh, Officer Clements and Mr. Rogers, two friends side by side, enjoying a cool, uh, cool water on a hot day. You say it's no big deal, right? But the fact is that Officer Clements is black, Mr. Rogers is white. Now, in 2021, that's, that's no big deal. But in 1969, in some parts of the country, that would be a huge problem. Because in some parts of the country, you would never see a black man and a white man with their feet in the same wading pool, sharing a towel. Mr. Rogers was addressing the problems of racism in our country by doing a simple act for someone who was a close friend. In his own way, he was doing justice. What does loving mercy look like? It could be helping in a local food pantry or other charitable organization. It could be spending time with someone who has no family during the holidays and getting to know their story. It means showing empathy to others. When I was studying for my ordination, I served as a chaplain intern in a local hospital so that I could serve the patients better. I had to become open to my own vulnerabilities. I had to become an active listener and to be a presence. There are times I would sit in a hospital room in the ICU with, with someone and just sit with them, maybe, maybe hold their hand. I didn't have to say anything. I was just there as a presence for someone. So how did Mr. Rogers show the love of mercy? He said that, quote, deep within us, no matter who we are, there lives a feeling of being wanted, a feeling of being lovable, of being the kind of person that others like to be with. And the greatest thing we can do is to let people know that they are loved and are capable of loving. On one episode of the podcast, Mr. Rogers was in Moscow in 1987 on the set of a Russian children's TV show. An American boy, Kristoff, was living in Moscow with his parents, who were journalists. Living in Soviet Russia was very hard for the boy. It was cold and dark, and Kristoff had no friends. Friends back in the States would send VHS tapes of American TV, including episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Kristoff's parents got word to Fred Rogers of their son's depression. And to Fred Rogers, a, a hearing of a lonely child was like, that was like the bat signal. You know, they, they you know, call, call, you know, if you remember Batman, right, the bat signal. So then he found out where the boy lived. And so one evening, there was a, 
a knock on the door of, of Christoph's parents' apartment. And Christoph opened the door. And there stood Fred Rogers. He's looking up. It's, it's, it's Mr. Rogers. He was wearing his cardigan. He was wearing his blue shoes. He was carrying a suitcase that contained his puppets. And Fred got down to eye level with Christoph, one-on-one, -on -one, and took out his puppets and, and did a little puppet show for him. He came to visit a family he did not know in a city that was foreign to him. Christoph was feeling helpless, and the gift that Fred Rogers gave to him was the gift of his presence. And sometimes your presence is the greatest gift you can give to someone. What does walking humbly with God look like? To walk humbly with God means that we put God and Christ at the center of our lives. With Christ at the center, everything else falls into place. Our relationships are stronger. We live, the lives, we live lives of character. Our moral compass is stronger. For Mr. Rogers, walking humbly is to put others ahead of ourselves. In the commencement address given in 2001 at Marquette University, Fred Rogers related a story about runners competing in the Special Olympics in Seattle. There were nine runners competing in the 100-yard dash. So that at the start of the, they all lined up, and when the starter's pistol fired, they all started running. But one little boy stumbled and fell and began to cry. The other eight runners heard his cries, and they stopped. They turned around, and they went to the boy, and they, they, they picked him up, and they, and they brushed him off. One little girl kissed him and said, I hope this makes you feel better. And then all nine got up, and they linked arms, and they ran the race together, and they finished all together. What would our lives look like if we did not treat life as a competition? Instead, we just link arms together. What would it look like if we didn't have to win all the time? We didn't have to best each other all the time and just work with each other. In Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, we are all neighbors, all of us, the whole wide world of humanity. We all owe each other love and justice and peace. We witness a man seeing the world the way that it could be and seeing people through the eyes of God. We see a man being just to his neighbors, treating others with dignity, empathizing with those who are having a rough time. That, of course, meant that he had to be merciful to the merciless. He had to be kind to the cold-hearted and generous to a world that often caused him substantial pain and frustration. Being Fred Rogers is not easy. This means we have to put aside our own agendas and do the important work that God has called us to do. We must love where it is difficult to love. We must have empathy where it is difficult to have empathy. 
We must work for what is best for humankind and not, as, not what's best for ourselves. And that is tough for us to do because we are broken people and we must recognize our brokenness and ask God to put us together. The good news is God has already done the heavy lifting for us by giving us his only begotten son. And God has given us the Holy Spirit who guides us along the path that leads to justice, mercy, and humility. Amen.